Hello, and welcome to What's Your Deal? This is the podcast where we read tarot for special guests to find out where they've been and where they're going. I'm your host, Ariana Lenarski, and with me today is my friend Adrian Resch. Hello, Adrian. Hello. <laughs> Adrian is a screenwriter and a director and has recently come back from the screen, screen dance. The Sundance Screenwriting Lab. Mm-hmm. Yes? <laughs> yes. Um, which is in Colorado. It's in Utah. Utah. Yeah. I should know that more since I grew up in Hollywood and should like know where. I, I don't know where Sundance is. Is it in Utah? It is. It's in Park City. Okay. Yeah. Which I also don't really know. It's like this little uh, ski resort town that once a year is just completely besieged with like every agent and manager <laughs> from New York and L.A. And But it's nice. Is it really beautiful? It's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, I've been there the one time um, and I was coming out of the screenwriting lab and then went to the festival itself. And it's really, really cold and there's snow everywhere. And uh, I don't know. There's like a weird... It, it is really beautiful, but you don't get the time to kind of just like take a breath and look around and mm-hmm. be like, holy shit, this is beautiful. It's more you're running late for a meeting or a screening or you're waiting an hour and a half in the cold for a screening mm-hmm. or something like that. But um, were, Oh, 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 was this in January? It was. Okay, yeah. so that's why it was like so incredibly cold. Yeah, yeah. I see, so I see. we're actually coming up on a year from it. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I mean, that that's where I am, that that's my... That was my intro a year ago. I did this thing. I mean, I think about it all the time. <laughs> Me too. Uh, you and I met in gay choir. We did. We met. Well, we met in auditions for That's gay choir. Right. Yeah. Which is not called gay choir. It's called something else. Uh, West Coast Singers. That's right. Although maybe I don't know. Maybe when we were there, their name? they were undergoing a very contentious name change process. <laughs> uh, Surprise! There was drama in gay t- choir. Uh, there are very strong opinions about what the choir should be called henceforth. Um, I think we, you and I, both dipped before they yes they decided on a name. Um, so gay choir works. Yeah, that was a funny. I was very like happy to have met you in that. Because, yeah, it was great. It was great. It was like one other person you could like look to and be like, this is kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Like no offense to the choir or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. It was just, I think we were at a particular age range mm-hmm. and maybe like, um, I don't even know, point in our lives where we were like the only two, we could only kind of connect with each other and everything else was kind of like, mm. We were definitely the only two sopranos that I think could have like a n- normal a conversation that maybe would be within the realm of normal, right. I would say. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love that choir, though. <laughs> yeah, no. It was, I mean, like, it was great to go back as I've, I'm a soprano, been a soprano all my life. <laughs> First soprano. Thank you. <laughs> and I hadn't done choir in many years. And there's such a stereotype about First Sopranos. If anyone doesn't really know, like, mm-hmm. it's very diva, very... Yes. Scarf around your neck? It's true. For the record, I am a second soprano. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> Which has a little more humility. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, don't, we don't need the spotlight. Don't need the spotlight. We don't need the solo. <laughs> I'm just going to hold down that harmony. A little bit more supportive and <laughs> thoughtful. Um, but it was, it was fun to remember how, like, subtle, like... Uh, sopranos are with each other when they're trying to be competitive Mm. sort of oh yeah 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 but it's it's subtle and also um it's not at all (laughs) between sopranos i think it would seem subtle to to like the lay person just Mm -hmm. watching an interaction between say two sopranos who are waiting to audition for a solo or something Mm -hmm. but those two sopranos are just like like they they know they know what they're saying yes very much yeah but it's always like uh, just like I remember you know it was like my first day in choir or something like that and singing something and someone turning me and going wow <laughs> uh-huh. which means like don't sing so loudly yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and just like little stuff like that mm-hmm. or that outside well, of well you were you were in it you were in show choir 
I did show So you were in like the belly of the beast when it came to, well, Sopranos, right? Big time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's where they were born and made. Did you do music in high school? I did. Yeah. I always sang in choir. Um, I sang in choir my whole life growing up, but um, the choirs that I sang in when I was a kid were kind of strange because they were connected to this kind of weird political organization that my parents <laughs> oh, were in when let's I was get growing into up. This. Yeah. Um, Tell me more. I mean, I kind of know about this, but yeah. Well, you can share with I think it could conceivably be called a cult and that would be fair. Um, but they are very um just like in general, they really look down their nose at pop culture in general. They think it panders to the lowest common denominator of humanity. And so there's a real um, there's a real emphasis on, on classical art, especially classical music, uh, sort of a very classical sense of science and mathematics. And so like growing up when all of my friends had, um, you know, soccer games on Saturday morning or whatever, I had poetry class where we were like breaking down Christina Rossetti and like how old were you at this point eight <laughs> um and, and wait were these were these just with your family or would you be going to places and people would be uh, so the people who taught the classes were other people that were in this organization so sort of um uh, contemporaries of my parents and then the other kids in these classes were uh, what my sister and I fondly referred to as as the, our fellow brats. So they we were the or the all the kids of people in the organization. So we took like Euclidean geometry classes and and then there was a chorus. But in the chorus, everything of course was classical music. And so at age like seven, we were singing like like German operas and. Um, yeah, I don't think we really sang anything in, in English. So then when I got to public school and especially when I got to high school and, you know, you're singing, you know, Baby, It's Cold Outside and stuff like that. My <laughs> my parents were less than thrilled, but I had a great time. I loved high school <laughs> choir. felt very relaxed. Was that your first time in public school was when you started high school? No, I went to public school for elementary school. Uh-huh. And then my parents put me in this private school just for for middle school um which related to this organization or no (laughs) thank god no um it was just a private school in the area that had like a they had a diversity scholarship which could either go go, this is this is northern virginia horse country for you could go either to a a person of color or it could just go to a poor kid and that diversity scholarship (laughs) was uh originated by my older sister i think who went to the school years before me Um, and they loved her so much because she is so, so smart and wonderful that then when I came along like four or five years later, they were like, oh. Another rush. Another rush, sure. Rush her on in yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I went there just for sixth, seventh, and eighth, uh, and then I went back to public school for high school. Do you remember um, feeling out of place at all because of feeling like you had a, a big chunk missing of about pop culture when you were in Mm-hmm. High school and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I, I mean, I've always kind of had a, a weird insecurity about this, just this total dearth of. It's like this weird gap that I'm still sort of filling in now. Like I know Madonna, and I probably know <laughs> That's her. Like a crazy pull. <laughs> like maybe I know her most popular like three songs, maybe. Okay. But I feel like there's so many people of my generation who grew up listening to music that their parents loved Mm -hmm. and so they know you know like either 70s rock or you know Billy Joel and Madonna whatever their parents were listening to they know that really well and my parents will only and have only listened to classical music wow and that is it um I mean when I was growing up my mom on on if I joined her in the car for like Saturday afternoon errands, she would play cassette tapes that she had found at her parents' house from her youth. And so it was like Whoa. 60s uh, protest era folk. So like Joan Baez, okay, okay. Pete Seeger, like Phil Oaks, Tom Lair. And that's kind of cool. And yeah, so she would play that. And I, that felt so transgressive <laughs> to me because it was such a break from that's just hilarious. the pure onslaught of classical that it was, I mean, it was very, very exciting. But but yeah, so I was I was read like Keats and Cervantes growing up and Schiller and uh, 
What did Schiller? I don't know Schiller. What did he write? Schiller's um, well, he's a <laughs> not to quiz you writer, thinker, philosopher. Um, well, he man, we maybe we shouldn't go down okay, that we'll road. Schiller's kind of like one of the cultural sort of patron saints of this organization. Oh my lord! Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, just want to let you know worth wait, wait. worth checking out. Okay, I think S C H I S C H I L L E R. Okay, yeah. Schiller, check yeah. him out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Just want to let you know, totally fine to not know Madonna. I don't know Madonna. Okay. And oh. I think it would be weird to know Madonna, I think. It would be weird to know Madonna now? I think so. Okay. I think. Hmm. I don't, I think most people, I, I mean, although sort of the, sort of like heralded by white gay men, mm. Madonna wise. Okay. But yeah, yeah. I think outside of that, like, sort of heralding, yeah. it's okay to be like, Madonna? Mm. Okay, cool. That makes me feel better. You- yeah, I mean, truthfully, like, the biggest gap for me always w- were the things that k- kids my age were watching and listening to, especially in, like, elementary and middle school. Okay. Because once I got to high school and beyond, like, I could drive, I could take myself to movies, mm-hmm. I could listen to music in friends' cars or at friends' houses. And then once I got to college, I, I got myself a TV and then just didn't leave my college room for four years because <laughs> all like, I catch up. was watch HBO. <laughs> but um, you, you also, like, secretly got a television at one point when you were young, right? Are you, can we I talk about did, this? I did, yes, sure. <laughs> I hope my... Well, actually, I don't know if my parents would care about this now. Um, but yeah, I was a latchkey kid from a really early age, from like second grade. So I was like seven, seven, eight. Um, so I uh, found, as soon as I, the very first time I was home alone in the house, and I would always have about two-ish hours before my mom would come home from work. And uh, so I snooped um, very thoroughly throughout the whole house, and I found in a back closet that was like under the basement stairs kind of like a crawl space there was like an old tv and vcr which was very shocking to me because we didn't have tv growing up at all tvs tv or movies were not allowed in my house um and uh so it was very very thrilling to discover this and i ended up timing it out to the point that i could get off the (laughs) bus get on my bike ride the couple blocks to the local blockbusters uh, get out whatever movie I wanted, which usually was a rated R movie that I would pop out of like the hard shell and then put inside, you know, like Dunstan checks in or like blank check or something like that. Um, dump my handful of change on the counter, get my movie, ride home, take the TV and VCR from the basement upstairs, plug it in, set it up. And I always could watch like the first like two thirds of it before I had to stop the movie, take it out, hide it completely disconnect the tv and vcr bring it back downstairs and hide it like right before my mom came home um so i've seen like the first two-thirds of (laughs) so many movies because then i had it for whatever it was six seven days and so then every single day when i get home from school i would watch the same thing why i started the movie from the beginning every single time i don't know i really don't know so you wouldn't finish it up you would Start it over again. I think it's to try to get on it all in one movie. Yeah, okay. like for some reason, one of the movies that I got and that I loved so much when I was very young was West Side Story. Great, um, great. Which I mean, it's a great, it's great, great movie. I really don't know why I was so obsessed with it, particularly because from the rumble onward. Uh, it was horrifying to me just like everyone <laughs> dies and it was so sad and I think the first time I watched it all the way through I was like really disturbed um especially like Bernard I just it was very very upsetting yeah and sad, sad to movie. me so so I think I and I got that from blockbusters a couple times and so I think I would watch it up into up until the rumble which was right about when my mom would come home mm-hmm. and so that and I was like that I'm good that's good. I love this movie and it ends at the Rumble. And so I have probably seen up until the Rumble 80 times maybe. That's like when they stop the movie before Bambi's mom dies. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so dedicated. And now you are a film person. Like yeah. you literally are making your living making movies. So it's kind of yeah. worth it. Yeah. I, I I think so. I mean, I, I don't know if I would have ended up here without sort of, you know, the the forbidden um, <laughs> of, of my childhood. I mean, I think a part of it at a certain point in my life was overcompensation, certainly in college. I think I kind of o- OD'd a bit. Um, but because I wasn't allowed any TV or movies growing up, 
um, reading was not just like kind of the only pastime, but it was super heartily, wonderfully encouraged. My sister and I spent our entire childhoods reading. And so I always, I, I've always been incredibly drawn to stories and have loved losing myself in stories and so have always wanted to be a storyteller. Mm -hmm. as, as far back as I can remember, that's all I wanted to do and be. And I think when I was young, because of the way that my parents raised us, that I guess they raised us to kind of to, to look at language and the written word as as the most as sort of the highest um, access point to the imaginative world. Um, the most pure, I don't know, the most, I mean, certainly the most cultural elitist, but uh, so, so, so because of that, I always, I, I was always really, really drawn to writing my own worlds and my own stories. Um, and it's been more of a recent thing to kind of learn how to translate that language to a visual, mm -hmm. to a cinematic language. That's interesting. Yeah. It's funny too, because <laughs> when parents are like, reading's always okay, reading's fine. But mm -hmm. at least I found in my own life, that's where all the rebellious girls live is in books. Mm -hmm. Like most of the books I read, the girls are like, fuck everything, like yeah. I'll do what I wanna do. And it's like weirdly against what your parents might, like when I read Harry the Spy, it was like over. Oh, I loved that book but so much. She was, she was a bad girl. Yeah. And I was a bad girl then. <laughs> like I was like, Harriet, me. Like, and it's, it's just like weird that parents maybe forget that yeah also it's like you absorb so much when you're young and like so much so yeah yeah it's funny to me that maybe a big influence of like I don't know if this is was necessarily true for you but having heroines like that in books mm -hmm. and you're like I'm gonna be like them and like do what I want do what I want yeah I think that was definitely a huge influence for myself yeah no that's a really interesting way of, of looking at it i think especially because when we were growing up whatever pieces of pop cultural culture that sort of made it to the mainstream in terms of the movies that like our friends might be watching at sleepovers and stuff like that or like the movies you'd see previews for um were certainly of a certain kind of commercial studio narrative from when 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 thinking about the perspective of of girls or women and so absolutely the most sort of fully realized female characters with agency and guts and determination all were yeah. i think living in the worlds of the books that we were reading growing up for sure um so in that respect i don't really think that i that i missed out all that much mm -hmm. yeah um okay just gonna do a quick quiz sorry okay Alanis Morissette do we know who she is? Yes, I know who okay. she is. I know that she's a Canadian singer-songwriter, <laughs> and I know that her Wikipedia album is called memorized. Jagged Little Pill. And um, I know she has that one song um, where, I can't remember the words right wow, now. but she real. Okay, she kind of like real. yells something for, is it like, damn? Is that what she yells? Uh, she yells, uh, fuck her. Oh, maybe if I'm thinking of a different no, no, you're song. Thinking of, you're definitely thinking of the song. I am? Are you thinking of him when you fuck her? Oh, no. I don't no? know that song. <laughs> wow. If, uh, maybe wow. this isn't Alanis Morissette, but <laughs> I mean, I can't sing it because I don't, I don't remember the words, but it's like, mm, uh, Are you thinking of, damn, I wish it was your yes, lover? Yes, yes. Sophie B. Hawkins is not Alanis oh, Morissette. No. That is not no. who she is. Okay, wait, wow. hold on. That's wild. I can do this. I can do this. Um, Alanis Morissette. So the song that goes, and I'm here to remind you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. okay, I know that song. Okay. Yes, yeah. How about NSYNC? Okay. Any of those guys? So here's the thing. I know NSYNC <laughs> really, really well because in the seventh grade. You were so just lit up. You just sat up and were like, yes. <laughs> seventh grade was the the peak of my like pop cultural rebellion because in seventh grade, two things happened. Um, one was that a friend of mine got like a new, not a walk, a disc man, got a new disc man and had like an old shitty one that she didn't want anymore. And I think was gonna just like literally toss it or something. And I asked if I could have it and she was kind of weirded out by it, <laughs> but was like, sure. So I got that. And then what that enabled me to do was to borrow CDs Great. from friends. And so the very first CD that I borrowed and then, and I don't actually think I've ever admitted this out loud before ever, um, I borrowed No Strings Attached 
from a friend and then could listen to it with headphones, which was really like sort of the clandestine thing. So I could listen to it with headphones like on the school bus or whatever away from my parents. Loved it so much that I um, stole oh it. Oh my God. Wow. From Kmart. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. That's not what I thought you were going to steal it from your friend. No. You oh, shop- no, no, no. You shoplifted. I, shop- I shoplifted. No strings attached. Um, so I know every word to every song on <laughs> that album in particular. Later in sync gets a little bit fuzzier to me. No, um, no strings attached is the pinnacle of oof. of their stuff. It's it's I think I mean I haven't listened to it in That's at bye, least bye, a bye, decade. Right? That's bye bye bye. Okay. That's space cow space cowboy space cowboy space cowboy. I did a dance to that okay. song. I'll show it to you later, please, please. <laughs> Can't forget it's gonna be me. Oh, was that on? Oh, yeah. Wow. Track two. Yeah. And um, this I promise you. Oh, right. That's oh. also really good. Yeah. Let me think there's anything else. Ooh, okay. How about Destiny's Fucking Child? Did we get much of that? Not at the time when I think they were kind of like building momentum and then okay. like cresting the wave. Like I definitely know retrospectively their biggest hits, but I have no memories of... Like Say My Name or anything like that. Yeah, like I, I love that song now and I know it well, but I came to it like I think like after college probably. Okay. So yeah, so their biggest hits when they were together as a group were I I I missed all of it in terms of like when it was on the radio and when people were listening to it and stuff like that. Like I think the stuff that people were listening to when I was a kid that I also I tried in college to kind of like go back and fill those gaps in and you can't do it because you can't fill in a gap when you're like twenty with like Ashanti and Ja Rule like it's very difficult to um, be they are pretty good though okay right. <laughs> you say that with a lot of disdain well, but Ashanti's I, amazing maybe they just I just missed <laughs> I think it just missed the boat for me maybe wow I did later look up Ja Rule and see that when he was in prison he uh he was in prison. figured out how to like cook all of these different kinds of things using you know the, obviously the extremely limited resources available uh to a convict and he later after he was released he put out a cookbook <laughs> he published a cookbook of all of his prison recipes and that's really the thing that i most strongly identify with jaw roll wasn't he behind fire festival yes i think he was <laughs> okay. i think he was him and and that the other the other dude. ball Billy something yeah um wow I would love to quiz you more but we have to take a break okay and I have to ask you what you want to know about via tarot all right so we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna read the tarot of Adrian Rush welcome back to what's your deal we're about to read the tarot of Adrian Rush I was just gonna say that I didn't watch much TV growing up and whenever I and I don't have a television now and whenever I watch tv i'm always like oh my god this is great and i've felt that way lately about seinfeld Mm. where i'm like seinfeld's really good wait did you watch seinfeld i just realized maybe you didn't oh my god never i'm sorry i thought that you did no that's okay that one we can watch seinfeld together because i haven't watched that much seinfeld i would love to watch seinfeld with you because that is a really big one i think it could be a really big one for us a lot of my really close friends growing up were either in the friends camp or the seinfeld camp and actually weirdly it was pretty evenly like it was a pretty even gender split um like all of my guy friends in high school were just yeah Yeah. it was the most brilliant thing they'd ever seen they quoted it incessantly and if you couldn't quote it back to them then like you were worthless (laughs) um and then everyone else was just all wrapped up in ross and rachel and what's weird (laughs) is now i feel like most women that I know maybe it's just I don't know why this is but me but most queer women that I know who are like going back to some of those classic shows they're all about Seinfeld I which watched is it why recently. I want to give it a try no I watched it recently I was like this show's really funny yeah Seinfeld really funny yeah I don't know if anyone out there wants to check it out but uh, just really Julia Louis-Dreyfus 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 She's amazing. She is amazing. And she's the biggest draw for me in terms of wanting to go back. There have been a handful of times where I think I've like seen chunks of episodes. Like if I'm in a motel somewhere and it's like the old, they're running like 1800 reruns on TPS or something. And I can't stand at least half of the male cast. Like who's the really tall one with the crazy hair who just like runs in? Kramer. Is, yeah. He, I just, <laughs> he is so, he like makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up because He's so obnoxious. Um, Jerry has very bad boundaries with him. He has bad they boundaries. Have... Okay. What? What were you going to say? Oh, no, no. I 
please. Oh, no, that's all, that's all <laughs> I have to say. That's what I notice as I'm watching. I say bad boundaries. Mm. It's not okay to be. I feel like that show is going to stress like me out. <laughs> it's really going to stress me out. But it's worth it for the greatest woman of all time. But Elaine is Elaine. not gay. She says, I hate men, but I'm not a lesbian. Mm. She says that on the show. It's a mm. quote of hers. Mm. No, she's not gay on the show. Okay. That would be amazing. Okay. But that's not, we don't get that in 1992 or whatever, whenever yeah. they came out. I think that was way off what I just said. No, I think 92. I think it too. I think you could have been on then. Right? Uh, it stopped on. It stopped whenever the year Titanic came out. When did Titanic come out? Ooh. 98. 96? 96 no, no, or 98? No, no, 98. 98. 98. Oh, you know. 98. I know 98. Okay. okay. I've got an answer for you. What is it? All right. So, <laughs> it started in 1990. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. And it ran. Until 1998. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, May 14th, 1998. Because huh. I, I fucking was alert. I was alert. <laughs> well, so when I was 12, I was like, seasons. Seinfeld, Friends, Titanic, whatever else was coming out. I don't know why, but I was like, these things are happening. Yeah. I mean, those are all very big cultural those are big touchstones. Things. Yeah. Helen Hunt. Oh, man. That movie, what was it called? Uh, as Good As It Gets. As Good As It Came gets. Out. I don't know why. I was I was paying attention. That was one of the movies <laughs> that, that I got that I snuck from, did you like from it? Blockbusters. I liked it so, so much. And I watched it's it so really many times. Because, I mean, we it's... It's really good. It's really, really good. But also, but is the, it? the attack on <gasps> the so game sad. Man, uh, like, kind yes. of devastated me. And yeah. I didn't know why. Right, right. I know now why. I mean, it's devastating right, anyway. Right, right. But um, yeah, that that movie kind of fucked me up, but I couldn't not watch it again. Yeah. I it, loved it. It was that like movie. one of my favorite movies as well. Yeah. No, the attack is like totally. You can't believe it. I, I remember. I remember watching it and being like, "This is absolutely terrible." Because they're supposed to be friends. Like yes. I remember. Yes. That because it's Skeet Ulrich. It's right? Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. Beats him up. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> and and Greg Kinnear, right? Yeah, I think yeah. also what was amazing is they show a not typical relationship because mm. they show Greg Kinnear's gay, whatever. Mm-hmm. But also Helen Hunt, like has this moment where she's like, we we didn't have sex, we held each other. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. That's chill. I like that. Yeah. Like I like that they had an unconventional it relationship. Was, yeah. It was the, she was like intimacy. Like yes. we had intimacy in a in a vulnerable, earnest way. And I remember even as a child being like, Whoa, Wow, I didn't know you could do that. That seems powerful and terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we rewatched it now we would not like it. Maybe we should I, try. We should absolutely watch that. I really wonder if it would hold up because that's I, one I, I haven't imagine that seen it does. in a long time. I don't think I've seen that movie like past age 11. <laughs> I don't think I have either. I, I think it, I, I, I don't feel good about it. I think we would have a bad time. And it's funny because that, I mean, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think that movie is like a deeply adult movie, right? For sure. Yes. <laughs> we yeah. both watched it when we were not even like adolescents, when we were like children and we yes. loved it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it. Well, we were the dog, not the target audience. <laughs> well, they put the dog out there, and that's that's true. That draws yeah. children. But no, we weren't. We weren't the target audience. Old souls. Yes, there were a lot. There was lots of the f word in that movie. Yeah, there was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Annalise is showing me that there was. Mm-hmm. I do remember that, and I think something about Jack Nicholson appeals to kids because mm. he's so weird. Mm-hmm. And kids are like, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know. I remember in my head being like, that guy, he's interesting. Well, and especially because he's presented. I mean, obviously, like the mental illness aside, like he's presented as someone who is so himself. He is so specifically and uniquely himself, and he's just allowed to be himself. I mean, ultimately, like <laughs> the love of a good woman changes him right. over the course of the movie. But he when when you first meet him with all of his like foibles and quirks and and like he's he's weird, but the movie doesn't laugh at him, right? Doesn't like point a finger at him and no. laugh. Like he's allowed to be in his own skin yeah. and be weird, and I think that, that I think that's what kids. yeah, yeah. That's the same as but also, but also, like hampered by something, mm. which I think children feel that way, mm. as well. That's interesting. Which <laughs> I was talking to some people. That's why kids like Garfield so much, because Garfield loves to just be himself and is like kind of hates Mondays and stuff like that. But ultimately, can't. He's not really in charge because of John, his owner. 
So oh, he's man. like kind of under duress. Wait, do you not know who Garfield is? <laughs> okay, so I know that Garfield is an orange cat, and all right, that's let's move on. <laughs> about all I know. I'm really sorry. Car- yeah. All right. Comic? Yeah. Or so, a movie? Saturday morning cartoon. 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 Uh, and comic and movie. Okay. Garfield has an enterprise. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was not technically wrong. I just have never, never <laughs> encountered him. <laughs> Or no, John. you're not wrong. You're not. You haven't been wrong. You aren't wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, go read some Garfield after this. Yeah, all you need to know is Mondays are bad. Mondays are Mondays bad. bad. Lasagna good. When you think of Garfield, you say Mondays bad. Lasagna good. Okay, I can do that. And that's it. That's, that's all it. you need to know. Okay, cool. See, we're filling in this gap <laughs> of mine, just like one brick at a time. Uh, okay. What do you? So we're. I'm gonna read your tarot. Okay. Where do you stand on, tar- what do you think tarot can do for you? What can tarot um, do for you? I mean, I think tarot can help me a lot. <laughs> I mean, I've, so I've been getting much more interested in tarot and and the like recently okay. because, well, part of it is my friendship with you. I think you're so fucking good at it and in, in, in a way that I've never really encountered or anticipated before in in the sense that I feel like when you read it's it's storytelling in a super compelling incredibly personal way in a, in a revealing way but I, th- I think the way that I grew up um, I mean you'll you'll be shocked to hear that <laughs> that my parents were not exactly uh, open to open yeah, yeah. open to well re- really to trickery really to anything right so trickery a lot fell into that category mm-hmm. when I was growing up. So like religion, mm-hmm. all religion fell into that category. Um, and so I w- was just raised without even really being aware of it to look at things in life in I think a particularly black and white way. I really needed uh, empirical proof. I needed to see something with my eyes or feel something with my hands to believe it and to have faith in it because I wasn't raised with any sense of faith, religious or otherwise. So it's always, particularly like wow. when I was in it's wild, yeah, when I was in college and then the years like in my like early to mid twenties in particular, I feel like I really kind of like hardened into like a really intense atheist. I just it, it was the it was kind of the the. Uh, the dark side of, of that kind of certainty of if I can't see it, then it doesn't exist. So it was everything. It was paranormal. It was ghosts. It was tarot. It was magic. It was God. All of it was like, fuck it. No, I am going to be brave enough to accept that there's nothing. And and I'm going to be uh, comfortable with that. And of course, I've never been comfortable with that because how could anyone be comfortable with a black void of nothing but also the older that I get the more I'm like oh shit that's so fucking arrogant to just be like no I haven't seen it so for sure it doesn't exist or I haven't felt it so I know it doesn't exist so I'm kind of at this weird sort of I feel like more of a liminal space now where I am it's a lot easier for me to accept um, it, it, not just an answer it doesn't need to be an answer but just a state of I don't know mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't subscribe to any particular religion, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's a higher power or not. And so particularly like with magic and, and tarot for the longest time, I, you know, if I saw like a psychic neon sign in a window or tarot readings or something, I had this almost sort of like visceral reaction of like, oh, that's a scam mm-hmm. or that's trying to take people's money because it, I had just this certainty that there was no way it could be speaking to something beyond because if I didn't know what that beyond was, then like it had to be bullshit. And so I, I feel like I'm at a much more sort of, I, I'm trying to be at a much more open-minded place of, I have no idea and that's cool and it's a lot more fun <laughs> and I think you can interact with the world and with people from a much more empathetic place of well I don't know but why do you think that and so like when I encountered you and the way you read tarot it was so um it was expansive it wasn't you know I'm reading your future and here is you know here's the series of things that is going to happen in you know six months or something like that it was a story about me that I needed to hear and it and and I love it so I'm excited. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. I'm so ple- I'm so flattered that you would say that. That's such a nice that's that's such a great way to explain tarot to somebody that this might be a story about you that you need to hear. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. That's what it's always been when it, whenever like 
when you like read I think you read my celestial chart like I don't know like a week after we met or something <laughs> and, and it was wonderful no it was wonderful I loved it I remember it. I know your whole chart by heart oh I know boy your chart. oh boy do you know your chart you don't know your chart I do not yeah, know my I know, chart I know your chart by heart <laughs> triple Pisces triple Gemini triple Capricorn Ooh. here I don't know what any of that cards. means but that sounds intense a lot <laughs> shuffle of, these cards a lot of trips in there alright and what would you like guidance about? You can talk about it as you're shuffling. Um, I'm at kind of a strange place kind of creatively and career-wise, which is that I, you know, speaking of certainty, I was super certain for so much of my life that I wanted to be a writer. And for a really long time, that meant uh, writing fiction. And I did that for a while. And then once I... Um, in like my late teens and early 20s once I was watching more movies, more TV and I just really, really fucking fell in love um, with the, the visual language of, um, of cinema. I knew that I wanted to do that. So then I transitioned to screenwriting and I've done that for a while and I'd been sort of like slowly but I think, I hope steadily, kind of working my way up a ladder that was leading in that direction either into a writer's room or something like that. And, um, and then I wrote this feature script um, that I took to the screenwriting lab and I had such an incredible experience there creative personally in every possible way but the big thing that I took away from it which kind of freaked me the hell out is that I realized how badly I want to direct my own stuff and it was very exciting to learn that um, but also intimidating and terrifying because I did not go to film school for production. I have precious little experience uh, behind a camera uh, and sort of translating the words that I've written on a page into that visual language. And so right now I'm at this place where, um, I mean, it's funny talking about certainty. I am more certain now than I've ever been in my life that I want, that I want to direct and I want to make the stories that I write. But Man, am I at the very beginning of an incredibly, okay. incredibly steep learning curve. Okay, so maybe what do you need to know about this new beginning in your life? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. What do you need to know to take the next right action in this new time in your life? Yeah. Basically? For sure. Okay. I'm just going to say a brief prayer over these cards. Okay. Do a little three-card spread. Okay. Chariot in the recent past, Page of Swords in the present. And the reversed Four of Cups in the near future. This is pretty straightforward. Hmm. Um, <laughs> the chariot in the past position is the epiphany, uh, the epiphany, the epitome of what we've talked about, where it's the hero's journey where you like, mm. it's the masculine hero's journey where you get your prize, your victory, mm -hmm. and you're like, yes, got it. And then. Adrian and I have been talking, you and I have been talking about um, the heroine's journey. Yeah. Which is that when you get the prize, suddenly everything goes, mm, and like melts down. Right. It's like, oh, wait, oh no. Like, and you know, like, is there something more? more. Or or this is it, you know? This is it, yeah. I, all those sacrifices and all the work and I got here and what? Wait, now what? Who am I? Who am I? <laughs> yeah. So that's hilarious. So that's coming up in your recent past. So for this okay. to be the foundation, I think is telling you that um, the you've up to this point had a really healthy expression of your will. Hmm. Like that's been that's the that's the chariot is the healthy adult coming into being and kind of um, quote success in whatever realm they've been seeking mm -hmm. essentially. Um, he is uh, representative of control and like hard control where it's like mm. that's my goal I don't care what anybody else thinks I'm going after it and you just and it just you just go like and it's he's um in this vehicle kind of for a reason it, it often actually really does represent cars it's just and how much a car is an extension of your will most of the time like more so than any other object that we use where it's like don't get in the way of that car mm -hmm. like I, that's my will mm -hmm. I'm going that way mm -hmm. um and it's a lot also of it also shows a lot of which is also goes with cars and like how it's bad to have road rage and stuff like that a lot of repression of emotions a lot of the time quote lesser emotions or when you feel your emotions they're used to um uh they're used as fuel towards where you want to go rather than just experiencing them uh, okay if that makes sense yeah it does <laughs> 
<laughs> my uh, therapist would be like, hmm. I hear that a lot. <laughs> uh, so all to say this is just your foundation. It's just showing you that you're at the end of the line when it comes to how much you can kind of force yourself to do. How okay. much, how far force can take you. Okay. How, in a healthy way. Yeah. How, how much the, the healthy ego can express itself before you... S- turn to an inner more inner experience rather than focusing on external Mm. goals success representations of yourself your identity looking outside for your identity so that that uh (laughs) that's makes an uncomfortable amount of sense to me (laughs) (laughs) that's where you're coming from okay this is the foundation so it's just saying that like you have these you the chariot is a tool that you have in your toolbox it's something you're well acquainted with and can drawback on any time mm-hmm. it is however the energy that you're kind of leaving at this point and don't have to exactly worry about anymore mm. does that make sense mm-hmm. it's just there for you so plunging forward and now here's the page of swords he is in the present position so pages are young energy this is your this is representative of your new goal i think mm-hmm. um so pages are children they uh come delivering messages a lot of the time Swords represents your mind, represents air, and represents writing and um, speaking as well. Okay. And it represents the truth in all forms Mm. and clarity of purpose, basically. And so when this, but tarot has this philosophy that swords represents thoughts. And if you have more thoughts, you have more problems. That's just the. Hmm. (laughs) Okay. Wait, can you say that one more time? Swords Swords represents thoughts. The more swords you have, the more problems you have. Okay. More, th- more, more. You think more problems you're gonna have because mm. your story gets convoluted or whatever. Yeah, that's very much what tarot tries to push as like if you think too much, you're going to have problems. Okay. Um, so this page in particular comes bringing challenges. That's his. Usually when this page shows up, it's very much like, do I have to? It's like usually mm. when I see this, it's like telling me send the email, like bring the clothes to the you know the dry cleaners like mm-hmm. um deal with the person you know you have to deal with it's usually stuff that's like oh god like <laughs> so that's your present position of just like feeling as though i i just keep i always hear tasks and errands when i see it. it's usually stuff where i have to speak okay right mm-hmm. or have some kind of thing where i, I f- fulfill my to-do list or something like that mm-hmm. and usually it's because those are the things necessary for me to move forward. It's mm-hmm. like I have to do these little things in order to move forward. Mm-hmm. I think also, though, it's sh- reflecting back what you kind of just said to me of this kind of new thing that's arrived in your life of what you want to do and how you want to approach it in as clear and ethical a way as you can, basically. Mm-hmm. Ethical is kind of an intense word to use. I just use it because swords is represents ethics and... Mm. and um your metal a lot of the time like Mm m-e-t-t-l-e your chutzpah basically is what this page asks you okay it's very much like a child being like why why is that Mm. and why is that and you're like i don't know like i I don't know and it's almost like trying to stir up your reason for doing what you're doing interesting basically Okay. okay so that's your present position which is you know not not um I don't mind seeing the page of swords because it doesn't show that this is like anguish. You know what I mean? It's right. more just like he's annoying. Like it's annoying. He's okay. an annoying energy. So like in terms of, so like creatively speaking, um, me being at sort of this intersection of kind of like juggling a couple things, some being things that creatively I have more experience with or, or, or maybe I like feel more comfortable with or feel more comfortable expressing myself creatively through a certain medium. But now I'm kind of adding some of these new things in that I'm not as comfortable expressing myself. Um, how how would the Page of Swords function in, in that sense? In the new one? Mm-hmm. How would he function in the new one? He would, he himself, or- he would be, he would be, th- he would be questioning a lot and thinking a lot okay and, and trying to figure out why things are the way they are okay he's um he's not very absorbent some people mm-hmm. when they're scholarly they just absorb mm-hmm. the page of pentacles is like that he's more just like trying to draw stuff in like a sponge mm-hmm. the swords is like just trying eh? to figure it out yeah he's a little okay. scientist okay he's trying to figure it out hmm. um 
and he's active and and sometimes you just want to be like shut up like just you know when you're in math class and you're like but why mm-hmm. why is it like that and the teacher's like it doesn't matter right it just now is. just yeah. do it yeah. and that's that's sort of the page of swords i think okay so to me in this new place for you it might be an overthinking of like why am i doing this like Mm. you know what i mean like trying to find the clarity of purpose for this next part of your life yeah do you know what i'm saying yeah i do okay um which is there's nothing wrong with that um and i think i have a tendency to do that as well whenever i'm faced with something that either scares me or brings up really any kind of big emotion i think i tend to divorce my brain from my body and my brain just tries to come up with like a list of reasons or just kind of like find the 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 logic or or the explanation to like ground this new feeling in as opposed to um kind of taking it into into my body or just sort of like emotionally just sitting with it mm-hmm. i think i was sort of like okay this is i've learned this thing about myself i want to direct maybe i've always wanted to direct why the fuck did i <laughs> keep it for myself for so long but it doesn't matter because the only time you have is now so but I think I just sort of took it on mentally immediately as like okay how do I forge a way forward then that sounds very page of swords to me okay that's that seems very accurate to me in line with that so the answer to that question how do I forge my way forward Mm -hmm. honestly is hmm so it's the it's the four of cups reversed in your near future so when this card is upright it shows this guy who's sitting under the tree with his arms folded he's pouting Mm. And he's staring at his three cups and you kind of get the sense that things didn't go the way he wanted them to go. Like there's this sort of like, "Mm," like maybe he's a little hungover because he drank too much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then there's this little cloud that's coming along to hand him a cup. So nice. It's so nice. And he won't look at it. (laughs) His head is down. He won't acknowledge a miraculous cloud, a literal miracle coming along (laughs) (laughs) and handing him. What an offering. It's an offering, and yeah. it's a one of the heart. That's what cups represents is your heart. Okay. And it's emotions, creativity, imagination, and emotional force. Hmm. Um, I like the sound of that. It's wonderful. Cups are great. But yes. I'm upside Reversed. down. So that's, that's what that shows is there's this release. So when this is upright, it's about mm-hmm. obsession and not being able to see the miracle. Oh, okay. It's about... okay emotional hydraulics where you get all twirled up in your why didn't this happen you know it's like Mm. this should have been like this and you're pouting and it's like this deeper like "Mm." like um feeling sorry for yourself a lot of time is what the card looks like Mm -hmm. and when it's reversed it's letting that go it actually is starting to be open to maybe i don't know how things are going to go and that's okay maybe it's actually going to be even better than i dreamed it would be wow okay and being able to look up and see my mentor Erin who's been on the show she always says don't miss the miracle Mm. and that's basically what this what this card represents I'm gonna peek ahead and see what that could possibly look like though okay what could the miracle be about I'm pulling another card here we got more cups oh my oh boy look at this you got so many cups going on okay cups cups. (laughs) so and justice justice (laughs) Reverse, you're okay. all, all nervous. Well, yeah, what does that mean? Reverse King of Cups is, to me, I thought of father stuff right away. But mm. I think it's like the Reverse King of Cups is usually allows you, outside of whatever, like, personality father stuff, stuff kings are really focused on their subjects. They are aware they have responsibility to mm-hmm. others. So they end up being very external, outwardly focused. Mm-hmm. They they know they have impact okay. and influence. Cups, again, is about emotions in your heart. And King's feeling responsibility about emotions is actually a bit um, hard for, for the King of Cups. Because when he was younger, he might have been more creative and was able to go with the flow. But when he is a king, he knows that it's more important for him to hold space for the feelings of others. There's sort of this wisdom involved, diplomacy mm. involved. His watchword is tolerance. He's very tolerant okay. and understanding. Okay. However, this makes him kind of miss out on his own creative process because mm. he kind of feels like he that's that would be kind of irresponsible of him. Mm-hmm. To, he, he no longer has his foot in the water. 
Mm. And his little fish, which usually represents creativity, is, has hardened around his neck. Mm. So this is sort of hardening. So when it's reversed, it's kind of coming out of that, once again, letting his creativity flow again. So it's showing okay. that's partially the miracle is that you don't have to worry so much about how you'll be received or perceived at mm. this new point in your life, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you're uh, able to kind of be, quote, younger again and just kind of go with your childlike curiosity. That sounds wonderful. And be okay with making a mistake. Yeah. And then it kind of shows, I think it's reversed because it's in the future. Has to be because this is such a positive card. You get your wish. It's like very like, you get it. Great. It'll work. <laughs> it's like the, ni <laughs> the nine of cups. It's the, it's. I always say like winning lottery of tarot, which is like you get your wish. Mm. Two thumbs up. No way to skew it any other way. Going to work out. <laughs> this <laughs> is great. I know. I'm however, so I'm going to say, however, uh -oh. the last card I pulled was justice. So uh -huh. that shows that in order to sort of like the um this future is bright um but but mm, for you to not miss this miracle it's important to know what you're really responsible for that's what justice is all about mm. being really clear on justice comes along and says actions of consequences everything is connected it's time to be just towards yourself in terms of making an assessment of what is really your part. Mm. How much of what you, how much of what you're, go what's going on in your life do you enjoy? How much do you not enjoy? And mm. what is your part in each of these things? Mm. And what can you actually, what do you actually have control over to have more of or to change? I see. So usually when justice comes up, I make a big assessment of my life and like, it can be as literal as being like, I, my name is Ariana. I live here. This is what I do for a living. Mm. This is how much money I make. This is what, you know, and I actually, I've done this before in the past where I've like gone and like colored a green for what I liked, an mm. orange, but I was like, I don't like this. And you know what I mean? And then <laughs> yeah. like writing the thing, next thing that I might change about that kind of thing. Yeah. That's one way to look at what to do when justice comes up. Okay. But in any case, it's sort of like really understanding what needs to be wrapped up at this point in your life in order to let things unfold okay in a just way for yourself and everyone involved okay basically yeah it feels almost kind of like a reckoning that's the word i'm looking for it's, it's a it's a reckoning it, so since it's the last card it comes i mean so there's a series of cards that are kind of Okay, near just to indeterminate say that, like time is not linear okay okay, okay. so like <laughs> justice if he wants you like and go along with justice it wraps back around if that makes sense i know that all of these are in the future position mm -hmm. but since they're reversed there's this like low level mm. energy to them low level energy uh, the energy is not as form fully formed okay um so to me it's saying like you're coming into this place where you're going to be able to seize this miracle. The miracle is your ability to remember that you are allowed to have this childlike expression of your creative force. Mm. It's all going to work out. Now make the assessment. Mm. That's what's going on in the... Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I... This is... This... This Does is good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. I don't have a problem with this spread. No, it makes a lot of sense. And it's... It's exciting and it's also, I mean, it just feels, this is, this is, this happens every <laughs> single time you read for me, which, and I don't have that much experience having other people read for me, but every single time you read for me, it just makes so much sense in this, in this weird intuitive way where I don't really know how to put words to it. Because like you said, it's not, it's not linear. Like it almost feels like kind of like elliptical that like, it is. yeah, because it feels like I have gone through some portions of this um cycle before and i don't think that i have pushed from the page of page of swords in into this in 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 a way that w was real or lasting um but this just makes it feel so right for where i am right now but it's counterintuitive because it's not 
and I know tarot is never this. It's never a blueprint to be like, these are the things you got to do and like, or just take these next steps. But this is almost the opposite, which is from like Page of Swords into what the four, four of Cups. Four of Cups. Uh-huh. Is, is like, I, is a letting go. Yes, I think there's some. And I don't think I'm good at that. <laughs> well. Because it's scary. <laughs> it is the feminine principle, which mm. our culture dreads. Mm. Dreads magnetism, emptiness. Mm-hmm. the space to be creative like we slowing we dread down it. slowing down not producing non-action yeah it is we are it is it is death to many and actually there is a sort of death involved because it's mm. the death of the ego mm. and that's sort of what is what can be really hard about it because in general when you do start to let go instantly whatever has been repressed starts to just come up you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm anxieties or fears the reverse dad shit dad shit daddy dad i got some dad Dad, dad. yeah (laughs) i mean i think that is a double meaning for this card being reversed is like that's one of the things to reckon but that's kind of a personal assessment for me just because like we've chatted about that before yeah about just like father stuff so Mm -hmm. but a lot of times even stereotypically and archetypally fathers create structure whether or not we get structure from them, whatever their authority and structure is for us, we take on subconsciously. Mm. If there's, you know, if your father's good at it, you you end up being really straight. Like maybe you have no father, you have no, you know what I mean? You have to create mm-hmm. your own structure. And it's just the, it's not even literally the men, it's just the archetype of what a quote father does. Mm. So it's a letting, so to me, there's like a letting go of what you've, internalized as quote structure okay you know yeah for your emotions really yeah for your life that's really interesting and and sorry one more time that that card is upside down that's reversed because or reverse um he when he's upright he stays he stays a little more solid and firm than cups usually does water okay. flows it's like right. the flow of water it's supposed to flow mm-hmm. and he, but because he has so much responsibility he has to be kind of fixed mm-hmm. and it makes him a little less he's sacrificed his own creativity in some ways right for the benefit of being diplomatic or being understanding or being the ultimate therapist you know he's kind of a therapist mm-hmm. and so when the king of cups is reversed there's a little bit of this letting go that you're thinking about mm-hmm. letting go of responsibility for feeling like well i have to first and foremost harmonize with whoever i'm speaking with you know like really take on and be really understanding towards them Mm -hmm. interrupt my work day perhaps for that you know like Mm -hmm. that that kind of stuff gotcha if that makes sense it does it does man any other questions really good about this friend am i allowed to take a picture please do yes thank you so much for letting me Rijotero today. Thank you. Thank you so um, much. Do you want people to like, I don't think you're very social media Do you want people to find you online or not really? Uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you'll just come and go like the wind. Yeah, or I don't know. I mean, you can send me an email. <laughs> yeah, send Adrian an email. What's your email address? It's adrian.rush at gmail.com. That would be sick. I hope someone actually does Please. send you an email. Send me an email and we'll get a cup of coffee, and I would enjoy that so much more than for people finding me on Instagram, <laughs> That's which you can't do right now because I um, disabled mine. Because you found was, out what Instagram was two months ago. It was bad. I had a bad relationship oh, oh, with you were, it. You were addicted yeah. to Instagram. Okay, got yeah. it. I that just scroll. I would go into like a fugue state and come out of it, and I'd been scrolling for 30 minutes at what? I don't know, but well... It, it was just high level stalking yeah. and it, oh <laughs> great that's relatable for us yeah talk about letting go that that is one thing that i have let go recently i let go of facebook i let go of instagram could never get on the twitter twitter just always scared me so that was like the one that i i hear that, that even yeah. though i think it's the stupidest of all but whatever it's also the, the the most intriguing to me in terms of just like the like the dissemination of news through twitter i think is fascinating and is like the the thing that marks i think right now in america more than anything else like culturally speaking but i but i can at least go on twitter and like see what's 
trending and I don't have to have a Twitter. So, yeah. Yeah. You can like have one toe in and still kind of see what's going on. Definitely. But yeah, uh, send me an email. Okay. (laughs) Write Adrian an email. And as always, you can write me an email at dreamcitytarot at gmail.com if you like. Thanks so much for joining us today and we'll see you next time.